Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Amen. All right, well, while the baskets are going around, uh, we're going to go ahead and just get right into the message today. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter it's great to see all of you. I want to say thank you, everybody, for coming today and celebrating with us on our fourth anniversary. Uh, my Facebook has been flooded with pictures over the last four years of anniversary celebrations, and uh, it's just it's amazing to me. You know, I'm, I'm not any different than any of you are, but there is something special about being the pastor. It's kind of like the dad of the house, and so uh, I have, I guess, a unique perspective, and it's been wonderful to see uh, this church grow up and uh, mature, and it's just been awesome. And uh, I look out over this crowd, and I see some faces that have been here from the very beginning. And then I see some faces who have been around, um, you know, maybe for like a year or two. And then I see some brand new faces, and it's wonderful. So for all of you, whether you've been here since the beginning, since you're an, an Encounter OG, or if you are... You know, brand new today, you are all a part of our family. We're thankful that you are here today and uh, excited to celebrate. As Heather has said, uh, we've got a lot of great things that are about to happen uh, this afternoon. We're excited for everything that's going to happen. But first, I'm excited about the word that uh, I feel like the Lord has put in my heart today for us as a church. We are in the middle of a series called Take Root, Bear Fruit. And this series is all about what it means to take root into a relationship with Jesus, and then asking the question, what is it that the fruit of that relationship looks like? The Bible talks a lot about how healthy trees bear healthy fruit. And then Jesus said in John 15 that you can't bear fruit without him, that we have to have a deeply rooted relationship with him. And from that space, we should be bearing fruit. So we've been asking the question, what does that fruit look like? Well, last week, we discussed this very specific and very important fruit, probably the biggest fruit of all, and that was love, the fruit of love. And we discovered the big idea is that the hallmark fruit of a rooted relationship with Jesus is love. In fact, Jesus even said that the way that we love each other will prove that we are his disciples. And so, so over and over again, we see throughout Scripture that we are called primarily, first and foremost, to be loving people. And that by that way, people will know that we are followers of Jesus. Well, today we want to look into another one, explore another important fruit that should be growing in our lives. And that fruit is the fruit of generosity. Generosity. Now, when we tend to think of the word generosity, most of the times in our modern context, we think of money. And so right about now, everybody in their room is bristling. Everybody's kind of sitting back in their seats. The, the wood pews feel harder than they've ever felt before because when we think of generosity and we think of church, our modern concept is, oh gosh, here we go. Pastor Jared's going to talk about giving now. He's going to talk about money and my, 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 my wallet or my purse and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it makes everybody get defensive. Well, I'm here to tell you this, that while... The biblical concept of generosity does include our finances. It does include our money. There is so much more to generosity than simply the dollar bills that are in our hands or in our bank account. The biblical concept of generosity teaches it's not just about money, but it's really our entire being, that we would become givers of ourselves, that, the, that we would be known as people who are willing to give everything for God because he has given to us. I'm talking about our time. We're talking about our energy, our hearts, our minds. 
that generosity should be at the very core, the nucleus of who we are as Christians, as followers of Christ. And the reason for that is because it is such an essential part of who we are because that's who God is. We are called to reflect the nature of God. The Bible says in Genesis that we were made in his image. And particularly as followers of Christ, we are called to reflect his image best. And one of the greatest attributes of who God is is that he is a generous God. We see it all over Scripture, that he gives abundantly. God does not hold back. He is not a miser, that God is generous. God gives, in fact, in John 3.16, the greatest image of his generosity is that he gave his only son so that those who were still in sin, those who were dying, those who were dead, those who were perishing, those who were without hope, those who were broken, those who were shattered, you and me, how we used to be before of Jesus, that he sent his son to die on a cross. That's why we celebrate Easter, because he gave us new life, something that none of us could give on our own. God is a generous God, and we are called to bear the fruit of generosity, and it is so much more than just our money. In fact, Jesus said, that it is better to give than to receive. Those are Jesus' words. He said, it is better to give to receive than to receive. And I'll admit that this is a very hard one for me because, frankly, I like to get. I like stuff. I like it when people give me gifts. My wife is like the best gift giver in the world. Every Christmas, there's always some item that I forgot that I wanted, and she knows it's coming. And as soon as I open that gift, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I, did, I didn't even ask for this. And she goes, I know, I know. My wife is the best gift giver. I love to receive gifts. I love it when people give me things. I enjoy it. I love gadgets. I like to collect things. I love my technology at home. I love the things that I have. I love all of it. And here's the problem is that I have this natural tendency inside of me, and maybe you identify with this as well, that I like to collect things, and I have things all over the place, and I want to make sure that I have enough of it before I'm going to give anything to anybody else. That, that's my natural tendency. My natural space is to, whether it be food, there's a joke in the Lanza household that we hoard our food. So if I've got like a pack of salami right at home and I love my salami, so like if there's a pack of that and somebody comes in my house and they go, hey, do you have any snacks? And I say, yeah, go ahead, check the fridge. And of course, what are they going to take? They're going to take my salami. So they go in there, they look at the bag, and then I'm like, hey, can I have some of your salami? And the first thought in my mind is, I don't know. Do I have enough? Heather bought it for me. I love my salami. And I think, and I count, how much do I have left? I had a half a pound yesterday. Probably now I've got about a third of a pound left because I eat it so much. And then I think to myself, am I a generous person or am I not? Because this is the natural tendency. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive, but my natural state is to think, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in that, Jesus, but really I like to receive and I like to get things and, and giving is not my favorite right? Because, and even when I do give, my natural tendency is to look at what I have, collect it all, count it all up, and make sure if I give away, do I still have enough for myself? That is the normal concept of, of how we give. But Jesus said, that's not the case. But I will say that at the same time, I have experienced firsthand the joy that comes from giving generously to people. When I have 
kind of either overcome my own sort of selfishness or when I, in an inspired divine moment of generosity that flowed out of me before I even had a chance to think about it, when I have given something that hurt to give or time when I was tired or whatever it might be, and I've given to someone, I have seen the fruit of that. I have seen how I feel in my heart. It transforms me. If any of you have ever given something generously, either financially or your time or your energy, and you've given to someone, even despite your reservations of it, and you see the joy in their heart, you see how it helps someone, how it changes them, their demeanor. When you've seen that, it changes me, and I have experienced that firsthand. So there's this balance. There's this war, this struggle, right? But this is the time, the struggle that comes up for all of us in our lives. For us, it can be our time when we're busy from work. We're busy from our events. You know, we come home, and all I want is me time. Anybody just sort of resonate with this? I'm busy, I'm exhausted, and I don't have any time, and I want to give some time for myself. But yet, I've got kids, and I've got family members, and I have friends who all want time with me or with you. We struggle with our energy, being generous with our energy, because oftentimes we're tired. It's hard for us to give focus and give attention. It's one thing to give time to people, but still not be there, be checked out in the process. And we're, how do we become people who have generous with our energy? How do we become generous with our, with our focus, with our attention, with the quality of what we're giving people? And our resources, we oftentimes think security first, then I'll assist. And that's not the picture we see in Scripture, in fact. So I'm challenged by this. But it's from this place. It's from that struggle, the middle of it, where we struggle right now, where you are, where I am, where I'm like, I don't have time. I don't have enough energy, and I certainly don't have enough resources. But it's from that struggle, from that place, that Jesus is asking us to consider how generous God has been and is to each of us. And from that place to allow that fruit to grow outwardly on us. Now, while there are many, 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 many passages of Scripture about God's generosity and his heart for generosity and his instruction for us as Christ followers to be generous with our lives, I actually just want to look at one. I want to look at one passage of Scripture today, and we're going to ask one question today, and that is this. Does our heart match the heart of God? This is, what, this is really what this series is about. Take root, bear fruit. It is taking root in a relationship with Jesus. It's spending time in his presence and allowing him to speak to us, allowing him to dictate to us what our life should be about, what our calling card should be, what the signature of our life looks like. When we are transformed by him and his heart, we then become reflections. That's what the fruit means, a reflection of who he is. So we are called to reflect his heart. So I'm asking the question to each of you today, and we're asking it of myself as well, as does our heart, does my heart match the heart of God in the area of generosity? I want to read the passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you would, open your Bibles. 2 Corinthians 9. We also have free Bibles in case you don't have one out at the Connection Center. And right outside here on the, uh, the shelf, right outside of the chapel, we've got free Bibles. Don't leave without one today. The Bible is life. It is the source of life. Everything we do comes from, that, from, that, from this book. Please pick one up. 2 Corinthians 9. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. I actually got to visit Corinth in October. It was awesome. This is in Greece. This is in Greece. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He's writing to them. And he's talking to them about generosity. And he says this. If you read along, it'll also be in the scripture on the screen. It says, the point is this. 
I love these moments. Like Paul is abundantly clear. I am about to tell you something really important. And just in case you didn't know, the point is this, right? So he's about to tell you. The person that who, spo- who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And now, verse 10, the one who provides seed for the sower and the bread for the food will now also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only the supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, that's a long passage, and we're going to break it down. But really, here is the point that I want to ask for each one of us today. If we are to be rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ and allow his power, his life, his spirit, his priorities, his principles to overtake us and to change us, does our heart match the heart of God? And so I want to look at the principles that we see in this passage of Scripture. It is jam-packed with principles of God-centered generosity. But before we do, here is the point of this entire message. If you're taking notes, write this down. A rooted relationship with Christ reflects the fruit of generosity. We must be marked as generous people, whether with our time, with our energy, with our resources, with our love, with our grace, with our wisdom, we must become people who are givers of all of those things because it is reflection of who Christ is, who gave everything for us. As we spend time with him, we should become generous people. But outside of that, we want to ask, what do those principles look like? And here's what I've got right from the scriptures. If it's okay with you, I'm getting a little bit hot. I'm going to take this outside shirt off here. Well, okay, sorry. It's going to happen. All right. Sorry, a little bit warm. All right. Principles of God-centered generosity. Number one, it comes right out of verse six. It says, you will get what you give. We see right away, he says, the point is this. Verse six says, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. What does this mean? This is your high-level crash course understanding of the God's economy. God's economy is entirely based on the concept of you will reap what you sow. You see it all throughout Scripture. You see it in farming. You reap what you sow. If you put a tiny little bit in, then you can only expect a tiny bit out, right? But however, when we're talking about generosity, we see all throughout Scripture that whatever you put in, God is faithful to you to bring back to you. That does not mean like for like. So don't hear me. No one is saying, Pastor Jared is saying, if I give 10 bucks, I'm getting 10 bucks back. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that you will never, 
ever, ever, ever lose and be without because of your faithfulness and your generosity. What we see in Scripture is if you apply God's principles of giving, of generosity, if I sow into something with my time, with my energy, or with my resources, and that could be any kind of resources. That could be giving a couch to someone, not just dollars. Whatever it is, if you sow into something in the name of Jesus, his promise is fulfilled through that he will always provide for you. Now, if you are a tiny bit of a generous person, if you only give a little teeny bit and you hold back all the time, then you should not expect God's abundant blessing in your life. I don't mean that he doesn't love you. I certainly don't mean that he won't take care of you or that he won't bless you. But if you see people in your life who, my gosh, it seems like they are constantly, that God is taking care of them. There are huge things happening in their life. Chances are, if you look behind the curtain, you will see that they are generous with their time, and with their energy, and they're sacrificing when you don't even see it. That is the principle of God's operating economy, is what you reap is what you will sow. You understand that? That's the first thing that he says right here. Verse 6, if you reap, person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. You will get what you give. Number two, we see that giving is now from the heart. Giving is from the heart. Verse 7 says, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Here it is. If you missed what I just said a second ago, if everything that I just said to you makes you frustrated or angry with Pastor Jared, here's your, your answer to get off the hook. I'm not expecting anything from you. God doesn't want anything from you. If you're not going to give from your heart, he would rather you not give at all. You heard Pastor Jared say that. Seriously. It's about your heart. When we get up here on a Sunday morning and we talk about our giving moment and we share stories of what God is doing, it is not designed to make you be compelled to give. None of it is about that. It's not begging. You will never hear your pastor beg you for money. Do you know why? Because I don't own anything anyway. Because God is faithful. He is the one who owns it. And he can do more with the money that is given or the time or the energy that is given out of a heart of generosity and out of love, out of cheerfulness, than if every single person in the room gave begrudgingly. That's what he's saying here. God would rather take the $20 from people who are cheerful than the 200 of people who give it begrudgingly and hold it with a tight fist. It's all about your heart, folks. Whether we get up on a Sunday morning and we serve at church, when we come to our outreaches, when our kids need our attention and we're tired and we don't have energy for them, when we have to go to work and our coworkers always bugging us but they need our help, when we don't have the energy or the, the time for those types of things, when we're studying for school and we're exhausted, you know, it's our heart that God is saying to give. It's the heart behind it. Giving is from the heart. And he promises his faithfulness. He promises that he will make up what we lose or what we give and sacrifice. Giving is from the heart. Number three, and this is, I love this, you can never outgive God. Ever. You can never outgive God. Look what verse eight says. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you. Overflow sounds like an abundance, right? Something is full and it's too much for it, so it overflows. An overflowing abundance to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need. Not sometimes. Not occasionally, not when he feels like it, 
always have everything you need. You may excel, not barely get by, not just kind of scratch the surface. No, you will excel in every good work. What it's talking about here, if you put verse, uh, the first verses 6, 7, and 8 together, what we see here is that he's saying is that if you give generously, even to the point of where you're tired and you're exhausted and you're saying, I don't have anything more to give. i got to take care of me. And I certainly understand. There is a balance there. Remember our rest series in January. But we're not talking about rest right now. We're talking about generosity right now. And when you give, even beyond the place where you feel like, I don't know how to give anymore, God, but you feel him calling you to do something, when you do give, when you give him everything that you've got, he promises to overflow in grace and strength for you so that you will have not just a little bit, but you will have everything that you need, not just to get by, but to excel in whatever God has called you to. You will have strength in it. God is an abundant God. He will take care of you. We have got to get out of this mindset that I will just barely have enough. And part of that is understanding that God is the one who takes care of everything. And if I give generously, if I give everything that I have, and I say, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to open the floodgates and give him my best out of whatever he's asked me to give. When we do that, I will trust that he will cause me to be able to excel in whatever area I have given out of. He will take care of it. You can never, ever, ever, ever outgive God. Number four. We're called to follow God's example. So this isn't even just like, okay, hey, you know, trust me, but I've, you've never seen it in action. No, God says, watch me. Watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. Anybody know that song? Three people knew that song. Verse 9, it says, as it is written, he, they're talking about God here, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His Righteousness endures forever. We see God's example. In this one tiny passage, the Bible is full of 66 books where every one of them talks about the generosity of God, the nature of who he is. We are to follow his example. And right here, a little snapshot of it. He distributed freely. God is not a miser. God is not a security first, then assist person. God is one who looks and says, I will help. I will do. I will give. There is never anything I can't do. I will give to you freely, distributing freely. The Bible talks not just about his resources, but his grace. Somebody in the room needs to hear that today. He distributes grace freely to you. Stop feeling guilty about yourself. Stop feeling shameful about yourself. Jesus covered your sin and paid for it in the grave. When he rose from the grave, his life, his grace covers you. It is freely given. You are no longer held back or held down or labeled by the things that you used to be because of Jesus Christ. Praise God. It is good news. It is distributed freely. He gave to the poor. We should give to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. It lives inside of us. We should follow his example. Number five. Now we start to see what happens when we become generous. A generous lifestyle multiplies. Verse 10, check this out. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower, it's talking about God. God's the one who provides the stuff in the first place. God provides your paycheck. God provi- Okay, that's the idea, right? Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What do we see here? A promise of generosity multiplies. It's not addition. It's not even subtraction. Most of us live in a space of giving and generosity is subtracting. 
We think that if I give my time to my children, I have less time for myself. We tend to think that if I spend time with my friend who's in need and going through something, I now have less time. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we do anything in Jesus' name, nothing is a waste. And he takes it, and he grows it, and he multiplies it in a supernatural way. I can't explain it, but I have seen it at work. I always tell this story. A friend of mine at a church that I was a part of in the south side called Lifestone Church, a friend of mine was working at an architecture firm. And he was telling me how one day he had this project that was due, but there was a church event that night. And he was worried that it wasn't going to be able to get done. So by the beginning of the day, he said, I have about 20 hours left of work that I have to take care of. And the project is due the very next day, like maybe at noon or something. He said, I don't have enough time to be able to finish the project, go to the church event tonight, and then come back to work in the morning to get it done. I don't have enough time. He did the math. It's not done, not possible. But he felt like as he was, as he was going through his workday, he kept feeling like, I feel like God wants me to go to this event. I feel like God wants me to go to the event. And in first, he's thinking about subtraction. That if I go, that's two hours out of the time that I need to do this thing that is required for my job. I wouldn't be a good servant, right? Would I? If I neglected something, I could get fired. I could maybe not. Whatever it might be, that was his concern. That's all of our concern when we're worried about these types of things. And I understand that. But he clearly felt like the Lord was saying, I want you to come. And trusting in these passages of Scripture, this one and so many others throughout Scripture, that God is faithful with what we give and he will make it up. So he goes to the event, comes back the next morning terrified that he's not going to be able to get this done. And somehow, these are his words, I'm telling you, Jared, some kind of supernatural efficiency came over my life and I was able to get my work done in half the time and get it done on time. Now, That sounds like a fairy tale to maybe some of you. I have experienced it in my life. I have seen it happen when I don't have enough time and I'm just walking forward trying to be faithful. God, I'm just trying to honor you and everything that I do. And sometimes it's not even in my brain. Sometimes I'm not directly thinking about this passage of Scripture that says that God will redeem our time or multiply it. But the fact of the matter is that when we invest in his economy, when we invest in his principles, that he is faithful whether we're not. And so I've seen this happen that there are so many times when I have given either money or I've given my time or my energy with my children when I don't have enough to give and I do it faithfully trusting that God will keep me healthy and he will be abundant in my life, I have seen him multiply my time. I have seen him multiply my energy when I shouldn't have had any. I have seen him multiply my money when there's none to give and it comes back somehow. God is faithful to multiply what we give out of a generous heart. Generous lifestyle multiplies. Number six, generosity not only changes you, but it also changes those around you. Look at verse 11 through 13. Check this out. It says, you, if you become a generous person, will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Check this out. For the ministry of this service, it's talking about generosity, is not only supplying the needs of the saints. It's saying you give out of your money and your time and your resources. It's not just so that you can take care of people around you. And when we do give, your money goes directly into our bank account as a church to allow us to be able to pay the bills, our rent. It allows us to be able to do our outreaches. And we'll talk about that in our family meeting today. But it does have that effect. But look what he says. It's not simply for that purpose. It's not just to supply of needs, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, the fruit of every one of you sitting in this room right now, because of what this church has done, four years, so many of you, I've seen your lives change. 
I've seen it change. That's the proof of this ministry. Because of the proof in this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. What it happens is, is when we become generous, we become representatives. The true picture of who Jesus is through love and a willingness to give everything away, when we become that, people see it. It becomes a reflection of our thankfulness for who God is. And that's why he says he wants a cheerful giver. He would rather you say, oh my gosh, I love you, Jesus. And if I give everything to you right now and I die today, fine, because you're worth it. That's a cheerful heart. And when people see that, what he's saying is that everybody else looks at it and they see it and they're like, oh my gosh, that person's got something, something more than I ever have. I don't have anything that I'd be willing to do that for. That's what it's saying. The generosity that changes us then has the ability to spread out and change other people. They begin to see it. Why would you give to that place? Why would you do this? Why do you spend so much time serving? Why do you get up on a, Saturday, on a Sunday morning at 8.30? Wouldn't you rather go to brunch? Wouldn't you rather sleep in? All the things that people say or think about us as lunatics for getting up on a Sunday morning, right? We give our time. We give our energy. We give our resources. Why? Because it's changed you and you and you and you and you and everybody in the room. It multiplies. It spreads. I'm not the only changed person in this church. Every one of you have been touched. And that's what happens. That's what the Bible says. The proof of the ministry is not simply in the meeting of needs, but it's also in the expression of thanks to God. And we stand as a church together, and we say thank you, God, when we worship. We'll praise the name because he's worth it, because he's done wonderful things. And number seven, people will understand that God is good because of your generosity. Check this out, verses 14 and 15. And as they pray on your behalf, They will have a deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. People will understand and see clearly who God is because of your reflection of his generosity in your life. I love that. He says, thanks be to God. Like praise him for the generosity that flows out of your life. So is Pastor Jared asking you to give money to the church? Kind of. That's not really what it's about. Are you matching the heart of God for his church? Are you matching the heart of God for the lost in your family, in your neighborhood? Do you give them your time? Do you give them the the energy that you have? Is it a priority of your life? Is it a priority of my life that I look for the people who don't know him and the people who are in my life, my kids and my coworkers? people on my church staff, the people on my board, do I go out of my way to give them when I don't have? Sometimes I'm guilty of it, of not doing it. And I would say that each of us are in that same space, but what he's calling us to, not out of condemnation, but out of love and out of grace, is saying to you and to me, this is if you want to be like me, and if you want the world to see, then begin to bear the fruit, not just of love, but become generous, where he says you're willing to give everything. Lay down your life. We saw that generosity in Acts 2, right? We said that a couple weeks ago, that they sold all of their possessions and gave it to anyone who had need. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, right? So, like, we've got a little ways to go in our heart, our generosity. But it didn't come because they were like, oh, I don't need a house, It came from because of their gratitude of what God had done for them to where they're like, my house is useless if I haven't, if I've lost my soul. That's the point. And God forbid that my neighbor or my friend doesn't have a chance to hear the goodness of Jesus because I'm holding on to my TV or my car, my paycheck, or my time. People will understand that God is good 
because of your generosity. When you give your time, you just share with them, man, I'm so glad I could be here today. God's given me time to be with you. I'm so glad I could bless you with this money, whatever it might be, you know, give God the glory and they will see it. So our challenge today is this, plant the seeds of generosity and reap its fruit. You have to start somewhere. Plant the seeds of generosity and reap its fruit. What does that look like? At our church, that means joining a team. Get up with us on Sunday mornings. Help us make this church strong so that when guests come in the door, they see a vibrant church. Join a team. If you're not joining, you're not on a team, please come talk to us. If you want to be a part of what this church is doing, give. Give of your money. We need that. This is not a beg. This is a join in what you will reap, what you sow. Give your energy when you are here, when you are present. Give your best. All in for the one. That's one of our core values. We give everything. If I'm exhausted, I'm showing up anyway. And I'm not going to let everybody know I'm tired. I'm going to push through because it's worth it for them. But when you're at home in your own personal life, give your time to your spouse even when you're tired. Give your time to your kids because they need it. Make time for friends that you haven't connected with in a while. Make time for your coworker who's going through something because God will show you opportunities. He will shine through you in those spaces with your energy. When you are at places, when you're out on a date with your spouse or when you're having a one-on-one time with your kids or when you're doing your homework or whatever, give it your best. Give all of your energy. Focus on it. Don't just haphazardly work. Energy is just as important. And our resources. Budget your, your finances. Don't waste your money away and don't know where it's going. Plan it. Be a good steward of what God has given you. There's so many ways for us to be generous, not just with our money. Let's think of our time and our energy and our resources. Let's plant the seeds of generosity and reap its fruit. Will you stand with me? Can you imagine what our world would be like if every Christian reflected the generous heart of God? If every one of us didn't hold back but gave What would it be like if our first thought was how can we give more of ourselves so the world can experience Jesus? What if that was our first thought? What do I have that I could give away? Like if that was our thought instead of counting everything I have and seeing what I had left over. How could our communities change if the church was fully resourced and money was never a concern? Think about that for a second. Again, just I want to just think about it. What if the church never had to worry about anything and money was no object and we could have every resource. Think of the ministries we could have. Think of the ways that we could change our city. Think about that. What if our first thought was to search our hearts and our lives for what we had to offer rather than how much it would hurt to give it? And so the question for each one of us today is do we trust that God is generous and is he faithful? Do we trust that God is generous and faithful to us so that when we do give of our time and our energy and our resources in what appears to be lack or would be painful to give, that he's faithful to multiply that space for us? If he is, then his promise for us is to follow in his example of being generous outwardly and trusting that he will provide everything that we need. Would you close your eyes and pray with me?
God, you have been a faithful, generous God the last four years. You have been so good to us. There have been so many times that I was worried about the bank account in our church. There have been so many times where I was worried about the bank account in my own personal life. There have been so many times where I was afraid that I wasn't going to have time or that I was going to just get overwhelmed by the waves of, of activities that I had to take care of. And I have a kid, kids at home and I've got a wife at home and I've got family members and friends that I need to take care of. And I've always worried that it was never enough, but I kept moving and you've always been faithful. And I thank you for it. I thank you for it. God, would you make this church a generous church? Not just with our money, but with everything that we are. That we would become people who would look and see a need and our first thought is, how can I meet it? How can I meet that need rather than do I have anything to give? Sometimes the answer might be, it's not my job today, and that's fine. But when you call us, when you say, Jared, I want you to help. I pray that we would not count what we have, but instead we would, we would just think out of the heart of generosity. Help us to remember, bring to our minds, even now, images or memories of times where you've been faithful to us, where you've been generous with us. And from that space, fuel the heart of generosity. Begin to grow the fruit of generosity in our hearts. If that's what you want in your heart, just make this your own prayer. God, I want to be generous with my whole life. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with my energy, and I do want to be generous with my resources. Help me to give and to trust in you. Help me to give cheerfully. Change my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service by responding in worship to the Lord. We're going to sing our familiar song, Oh, Praise the Name. And as we do, let's give God glory for his goodness that he is faithful, that he will take care of us. And as we sing this song, make it your own cry. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. I give you glory because you deserve it. Remember all the things he's done for you as you sing. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.